All right. Hello. What's going on? Rich Ryan here. What's up? Super special episode today. The new North American High Rocks champion, David Makita, joins me. He's been on the show several times now. Always very interesting. Always very open and honest. Coming off of the biggest win of his career. And he has a lot of cool insight on it. We talk about the race. We do a little bit of training. A little bit of the... the you know, the scope of what this means in terms of the sport and where the state of the sport is. We just chalk it up. He's my guy. So really good, fun conversation. Special one coming right for you guys. Let's get into it. David Makita. Let's go. So, so you think that people, you haven't let everybody know about the North American champion piece yet. You haven't quite reached everybody. This is actually why I'm on the show. It's like exclusively for that. Like, I just want to use this as a platform to give like two huge middle figures. To, and I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are, you, are you copying and pasting your text message you're sending to all the people you've met? Or are you just are you writing individual notes to, to the haters? It's actually funny. So like um, you've had like a day where like, like DECA, like you finished, you won DECA. And then like you probably were like really preoccupied after the race with like, just people swarming you and interviews and like everything. And then you finally go look at your phone like hours later and you're like, I like opened my phone and it was like 106 text messages. And like, I was like, Oh, I can't respond to all this. It was like the same amount of like Instagram messages. So I just like went down the phone and I was like, I read it, I processed each message, and I went like, hold down, heart, hold down. <laughs> I know. Like, like, cause I, I, like a few people, I sent things back, but, but it was like, I just didn't have the time. I was like also with my family right. and everything. So, yeah, no, I haven't like sent a lot of like personalized messages to anybody. I sent the one to you about how <laughs> you guys at Race Brain, I, I'll read it. I'll read it. Go ahead. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it because I think it's important that the world knows this. Okay. I said, oh man, I'm re listening to the Race Brain Norams preview. Boy, oh boy, do you all need to eat crow, (laughs) especially Jack. Jack, who said, I'm just a 60 guy and that's it. Motherfuckers, (laughs) I'm a 57 guy. I keep telling you, my goal is sub 57. Imagine only being able to look at numbers and not knowing how to actually analyze them with qualitative information. Rant over. That's where Jack's blind side. That's what we try to do on race brand. Try to give him a little bit of that qualitative. But uh, obviously, I'm I'm playing like one th- one I, thing one thing that I, my boys. one thing that I like about you is that you ran 59, but you're still like I'm a 57 guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, so it's, you know, we know how these grid courses are. These grid courses are not fast. They're not fast. like no, they're no. not fast. Like I I really think you're you're giving up probably 90 seconds on these grid courses just based on the the way that your layout was with that rock zone being wacky and then just the like things like it's like farmers, a hair, it was like a hairpin turn a out of the rock on. zone like yeah mm-hmm. it was not like ideal but um but the run was probably a little short so everything you know right. kind of the f- I don't think the run was really short I think it was like 40 seconds short is my guess because the first run was long and the last run was short and then we have that all that rock zone but like if you really just look at like the last run and not getting to run to the end or something like that, it's probably like 40 seconds. I don't know. Totally much. Yeah. Yeah. It I, wasn't I much. That, I think that's fair. The course seemed to have run long, um, which I'm happy about. My, my nightmare was like, they're going to screw up this course for 
uh, on the faster end and everybody in this race is gonna <laughs> and i'm gonna get knocked all the way everyone's gonna like 40 like yeah it's gonna be 50 54s across the board so i'm happy that it yeah i i mean look i would have loved to have like won with like a 57 like they did in europe but which Sleds. was like a soup yes and that was that was the difference really because my sled was a minute four slower on the push and 20 seconds slower on the pull, but my pull here was much better than my pull in Europe. I was surviving by the time I got to the pull in Europe. It was you, bad. You and Dylan in particular smashed everybody. It, from I didn't seek a look at the the splits because they have they don't have them broken out by your place. So for me to look at all the splits and like remember them, write them down. You gotta go down the list. I know. Gotta, like, I, I, go did a, I did a little Excel sheet actually. I can forward to you. My dad did it, but I've been playing with it. Do you um, have it? Can we pull it up? give me a sec i gotta download it off the thing i think i hold on if we get it we get it that's great no but, i could uh, get it i could do it right now just let's pull that thing up you know, high rocks results he said here we go i'm gonna download it uh you want me to just forward it to you you can pull it up on the screen here okay let's pull it up on the screen uh give me a sec to pull it let me let me open it bingo all right um will i be able to see you here i think so do the present. Oh, here's what I'll do. Let me drag you to this screen. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, where do I go? Present? Yeah, down at the bottom. Oh, yeah. I mean, people, it's worth the wait. It is worth the wait. This is what we're here. We're writing, writing it, and we're just getting set set up. Cause yeah, I'm 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 interested in seeing everything side by side. I mean, I did the I looked at the sled push, so I know where you were on that which I thought was interesting data compared to everybody else. Um, but everything else, I don't know. I, I, would, I was just assuming that your runs were much faster than everybody's after the push and that your sled pull was probably faster than most people's after the push, even though on your end from like what you did in Europe, it wasn't faster. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the pull. No, it wasn't, but it, yeah, let's let's talk it out. Do you see my do you see the screen now? I should have just sent you the file. You still can. Um, okay, yeah. I'm just gonna forward it to you. Well, Send guys, we this is really compelling. Uh, we're doing great this is compelling stuff right now. Yeah, this is um, what people here's <laughs> we can you edit this out? I could, but I might I might, but I might not, but all right. Well, let me give you while I forward this, let me just give you the gist of it, and that is that um basically um oh, as i respond to this and i attach this file um the basic gist of this is that um oh, here we go i came in out of the push well should i just go from the beginning should i start from the top like how do you want to do it um i can give you my uh, yeah let's uh well first you made a post that you had the flu so yeah. i'm defending my race brain peoples here and after a race in Europe where you were seventh or eighth? Yeah. Eighth. Okay. Yeah, let's start here. Let's start, let's start there. there. Let's start there. Okay. Leading now, in. you you like so for the listeners at home, you guys know, you may not know. Rich is my boy, right? Almost. We're like, we're like friends. We talk all the time. We give each other race advice, training tips. We 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 Rich, you came down and raced the Army 10 miler with me and Mark. Like, we're boys. Homies. Um, homies. So uh, Rich and I were talking after the race and he wanted to know like what I thought of how it went. And I want to provide context because I think context is important. So 
when I flew out to Maastricht, it wasn't just like I'm going out to Maastricht to go crack skulls because that was definitely on my mind. But part of it was, okay, I haven't raced uh, Vinish or Tim Vinish. I've raced Roncevic and beaten him, and I've also lost to him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, ne- I've never I've raced Toby once. I lost to him on the day he won the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that race, Roncevic and I had us back and forth where we we switched leads seven times during that race, and he finished second. Um, so Sandbatch, I had raced one time before, and we had mm-hmm. raced in London. And in that London race, he went out like a banshee. And I let him get away. And then I reeled him in, reeled him in, reeled him in before making a wrong turn going into wall balls. But I wasn't going to, ca- I would have been like 15 seconds short of catching mm-hmm. him. So I was like, okay, this race strategy in Maastricht was let's go and like go with these guys because if I let them get away, I don't, they're all going together. So if I let them all get away, then I lose the podium. And so I went with them, but it was just carnage, mayhem. I, um, I did not warm up my back and hips appropriately, and I had major back. So after this, we overskied. We ran hard. We overskied. What's that? They were for skiing. You? You're fairly conservative on ski. I like to be conservative. I ski like 150 um, to be comfortable. Comfortable. Like that's all I want to be is comfortable there. Like right. just like you can't like win a race at any one station, but you can lose it. Like ski is a place where you can lose a race Definitely. because. Because you overski. So I look to my left in Maastricht, and Sandbach is to my left, and he's pulling 141. And I look to my right, and Voicen's to my right, and he's pulling like 142 or 143. And I was like, have I just been doing this wrong like my entire life? Like I literally questioned everything because they were pulling eight seconds faster than me. So I was like, all right. Like these boys mean business. Let's hunker down. And I dropped my pace down to 144 and started ripping. And so I'm already like coming in. I'm like hot. Like the engine's burning hot. I come out of the run and I, I'm behind. So I hammer the run to catch up. Then I hit the sled and I'm like, I start going right by people. And I was like, okay, well, you know, my American sled power. Like you got this American muscle. And I was like, I'm just going to roll like through these guys. And so I, for like three runs down, I went straight down, straight back, big chunk of the way down again. And then I was like, wow, this is, uh, I may have overextended a little bit. And then I tried to pull it back, but it was like a little too late. And 214 on the sled pushes. Like your fastest before that was three flat, maybe somewhere. New York was fast. I did like 235, but it didn't oh, nice. feel like I was overextending. Um, wow. That was, I think it was a new carpet. So it moved like really easy. Mm. Um, but then, um, so then from there I survived. I was bleeding out in Maastricht from that point forward. So basically like 25% of the way into the race, my back locked up. I couldn't run. And I was like, oh my God, I am just hanging on for dear life. Hoping my body comes back to me. And like my stride shrunk. It looked, it was just terrible. And I was like, well, this is embarrassing because I didn't get the performance I wanted. I didn't even get to try to tap into my fitness. My max heart rate in that race, I believe, didn't pass like 156. Like I never like had a chance to like go for it. Just because muscular, my body, you got work. Yeah, yeah. My back just wouldn't let me. And that's been a problem for me over the years. So going into this race, I sat down with my physical therapist and we like, put together and we we 
put together like a, a, a warm up sequence for my back and hips that was like 60 minutes long. And I spent like 60 minutes in my room just doing mo- back and hip mobility. And then all of a sudden, no back problems ran fucking amazing. Um, but either way, I came out conservative. We did the skier nice and easy, easy. Uh, 150. So I w- I came out of the skier like 15 seconds back, 20 seconds back already. Right. And then for sure. Let me see if I can um, did I I sent you the the sheet. Did you get the I sheet? I have. I'm a, I'm gonna pull it up. Yeah. Yeah. And then um I don't know if it has everything everything, but it's a lot. Then I um got to the sled push and I was like, you know, we're gonna work it, but it's gonna be more comfortable. Like I figured I would be working at like a 25 second slower effort, but because it was American sleds, it was like 318, so a minute four slower did it feel more comfortable for me because i'm used to pushing it yeah it was i took more breaks i was more tactical about that but it was heavy i mean it was a heavy sled like um and also it it, it probably felt different because of the ski exertion right like you were yeah yeah like i felt much better i felt much better on it and i was going like I went by a person or two, I think, on it, but more so I was looking at like the carnage around me and I was like kind of chuckling to myself. Like I could see how hard people were going. And then we come out of it and, and I you weren't just... making up ground. Like you No at all. Like your 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 slip push, I think, was tenth fastest, eleventh fastest. I think so. So they got but the then were working, but then they But look at my runs after my ski erg and after my sled. I ran 319 after the ski and I ran 324 after the sled push. Mm -hmm. And so I just, anything I lost, I chewed them right back up. Where Sandy was 348. You're 20, you were 14 seconds faster than him (laughs) on one run when he pushed and he pushed. Yeah. Like he pushed 40 seconds faster than me. so (laughs) So So his net was still more, but like, you can't be running that slow that early. It's just not. I mean, his net was like, give me one more run, and I'm, I pull that back. So, so. And then we hit sled pull, and I pulled 349, which apparently was lightning fast compared to the European guys. They were uh, because, so dead. They were because so I, dead. So, so, like, for frame of reference, I left the sled push in, like, 10th place, I think, but feeling amazing, and I entered the sled pull in 6th. I took – I caught, like, four guys on that run. Yes. And then – um. So I have Dylan's. I have some some difference to Dylan, difference to Sandbach on this sheet. Um, and um, sled pull, Dylan and I both very similar, very similar push, very similar pull, mm-hmm. uh, very similar opening run, similar ski erg. So we're pretty much dead even after the pull. Like I was like three, four seconds ahead of him, maybe. So yeah, um, we look, I looked at this yesterday. Let me pull this one up quick too. Um, of like the actual like how much time you gained versus everybody else. It's um, wild, wild numbers. It, it, um, it really is. Should I just keep talking? Keep talking. Let's keep talking. Keep talking. Oh, I like this sheet too. So All this right, is so your then... sled in. You were 36, 30 sled pull in. You were thirty two seconds back, and you were in sixth. And sled, sled pull, pull out. Thirty seconds. So I was two seconds faster than him, but gained three. But gained three spots on everybody else. Yes. And I think I gained a little on Kent as well. Um, And so, yeah, I'm seven seconds up on Dylan, but then the next run happens and I run like 329, I think. So I pull away some more. Um, And then by like, I think it was after the burpee broad jumps. 
I think it no, yeah, I think it was after the Burpee Broad jumps. I come by uh Tim Venish and Alexander Ronsevic. They're running together and I lap them. And I after and I, after or before? I think it was I don't remember which. Honestly, it's hard to remember. It was one of those laps, but I lapped them. And uh I either way, it's pretty early to be lapping them. Fair, uh, and, and, and those two guys in particular who are like who were one two at Euros. Yeah, and I they were running together and I so I see them, I come up on them, and I'm like, I'm going by these guys with authority. And so I just I accelerate so that when I go by, I was like, I'm breaking them now. <laughs> Spirit over. And so I go by those guys, and uh and I think that was the run after Burpee Broad Jump. So I ran, yeah, 328 on that one. It may have been it may have been the next one because I ran 324 after the row. So we come into the Let's start the broad jumps. We come into the burpee broad jumps. Sandbatch is about one length ahead. I pass Kent on the way in, like we're in the rock zone. He gets to the rock zone before me. And then there's that long straightaway in the rock zone. And I come by him after the hairpin. And I say to him, hey, man, let's go get him. Let's work together. Let's go get this fucker. Sorry, Sandy. I love you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and he, I can't remember. He mumbles something back to me. We get to the burpee broad jumps and I realize he's done. Like Kent is already done. And mm-hmm. it's the exact same thing that happened to me in Maastricht because I got to burpee broad jumps still ahead of Toby. And then I just had nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I've been there. But I had a burpee broad jump. That was decent. That time includes a lot of in and out. Like that's – it was probably – 25 seconds faster than that is my guess. The actual 80 meters. Yeah. 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 yeah for sure. Um, maybe 30 seconds faster than that. Um, and then, uh, so the burpee broad jumps, Dylan gains a couple seconds on me, I believe. Let's mm-hmm. see if we look at this sheet. Just, just one. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, these are not substantial, um, like gains. And then, uh, coming out of the burpee broad jump, another good hard run. And we hit the rower. And I, I didn't strap in as quickly as Dylan. I think that's actually where he made up the majority of the time he made on me was he got the rower started, got in, got his feet going quicker. So he actually started pulling before I did. Um, and so he leaves the row a couple seconds before me. What are you pulling on I, this? Dylan, Dylan usually is like 146, 147. I pulled like 140, uh, between 146 and 148 for most of it, I think. Yeah. So it was like probably in the same ballpark. Mm. It was like fast enough. Uh, maybe like towards the end, I faded to like 150, but I was like trying to conserve there. And then we come out of that run. I'm in third or out of that, out of the row where I'm in third. And I immediately run by Dylan again, just straight by him again. And on that run going into farmer's carry, I beat him by six seconds. I ran 324 on that run. And it was cause I was rested from coming off the row. We hit the farmer's carry. We have the same exact splits on the farmer's carry. But you passed Sandy. This is where you you gain you caught up to Sandy and went by him. I have to imagine that when one person catches up with you, you're like, I'm ready to fight. But when you're you've already like thought you cracked the field, you feel rough, and then two guys catch you within like 10 seconds of each other. That must be so just devastating mentally. He tried though. He fought back in that next run. He just like dude tries. is tough. He just tries he, so hard. He just needs to try less, do less. He, <laughs> he is tough, that guy. Um, and so it's funny. Like I look back and I coming off the the the, the sled pole, I already knew I was going to win the race because I knew where they were, 
and I knew how good I felt. And I was like, oh, you guys only have like 30 seconds on me. You guys are in big, big trouble. And um, I mean, because I would come off the first, like I would exit the rock zone and not see Sandy, right? Mm. But then by the time I would finish a run, he would be not very far ahead again. And I was like, right. I am gaining massive, massive chunks of time on this dude. Um, so I didn't know how much. I was blown away when I looked at the numbers how much, but it was it was crazy. So then, uh, yeah, running after the farmer's carry, I put another four seconds on Dylan. It ran 326. I mean, Dylan was rolling. Dylan mm-hmm. was really rolling too. And then after the, – and then the lunges happened, and he only gained like five seconds on me in the lunges, and I was kind of managing my – exertion levels there like again i think that was a pretty good lunge for me if you were to take off the the like transition in and out of that Mm -hmm. a little bit shrink it that was a good lunge for me i was pleased with that but i was like i could go harder but there's no reason for me to go harder because i'm going to outrun him on the last run and then Mm -hmm. if he doesn't have a cushion going into wall balls then he's not going to beat me on the wall balls and so yeah i went 355 on the wall balls which for me is a the best wall ball i've ever done in a race oh nice so so, yeah, and I can do better than that, I know, but my cadence was good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I knew we had Sandbach. I, I knew that probably at the Burpee Broad Jumps. I knew we were going to catch him, and then it was a question of, like, all right, how's this fight with Dylan going to go? What do you think he should have done? Should he, try, should he have overextended to try to run with you, you think? Or do you think that would have been? No, I don't think there was – I don't think there was anything he could have done because because – if the stations were in a different order, like if rowing was like the seventh station or something, like I think he has a shot. But but because wall balls are last, I know he's just kind of it's just like he just ran out of real estate is really what it comes down to. Like it's what happened in what's like what happened to me against Sandbach. Like I when I raced him in London, like I I just didn't have enough. If there was like one more round, I would have caught him. Right. right. But like. But like I had managed my energy so perfectly in that race that there was no way that he was going to catch me. I wasn't going to blow up on the wall balls. And Mm -hmm. that's all he could hope for is that he could pressure me enough to blow me up on the lunges, I think. And you figure it would happen on lunges, right? Like he he did gain. He did gain a little. He actually gained on the last three or four, three of the last four stations. But But your running was just so much better. The gains that he made on those stations – was it really any different than the amount he lost on the running? Exactly. It was like it was like a wash. But that's what I mean. Should he just like have been there and just like tried to run with you after farmers or something and just like overextend himself? But that, it, he would still have been overextended. Yeah. I think then then your lunges go downhill. Like I think sure. there is like if you're in second place in this position, you're doing two things. You are trying to still pressure the leader to win, but you're also you're attempting to protect second place and preserving second place means not blowing up because second place is in the bag, which I've had races where I've been running in second and I'm like, Hmm. Uh, I'm like, uh, second place is worth like $3,000. Like don't yeah. blow up. Like, you For know? Sure. So, it's, a, it's a, it's like the North American championship. Second place. It's pretty. It's still in second, second place, North American Championship. But Quite the resume, Dylan Scott. He's building it. He's definitely building he's it. Built. He's built a very, very respectable High Rocks resume. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know where. 
um, where you take like, are you like, hey, like the value of two seconds is worth more than winning once? Like, I don't know where the like what's the trade off there. I'd rather be champion once, but totally. two seconds totally. sounds like a lot of heartbreak. But also, I think to take second in both of those races, given the situations, it's also like very pleasing. Oh, for sure. That one that he had in was at twenty one, where it was Hunter and then him, um, and then yeah. you were third that day. No, not, not, I was fourth because I was sick fourth. and I blew up on him. the wall balls. Yeah. Who got no, I was the slowest, ra- the slowest high rocks I've ever run. Um, oh, Brent, Brent got third because I got to the wall ball still in third. Like I did, should I? I didn't even want to race. I ran the first thousand. I almost dropped out, and then I was like, I'm just gonna fight. Why not? Let's just fight. And then I got to the wall balls in third with like a 40 second lead on Brent Hastert. Even though I ran, I, the reason I actually lost is I ran into the lunges and started doing lunges that I had to do farmer's carries. I was really out of it that day. Oh. Um, so, uh, but I ended up, uh, I was doing wall balls like three at a time. I did like a six and a half minute wall ball. Like I was done. I kept putting my head in my hand so I didn't pass out. Like, so I had a lot of demons to exercise from this particular race because that happened two years ago. Right. And I thought I was going to win that race. And um, and then last year I had my sled issue where I withdrew at the sled push after I finished it. Mm-hmm. So uh, Chicago was like bad juju for me. And I really like this one's been eating at me for a while. And then you add the Maastricht thing that happened and I was just fired up and everybody being like, Everyone doubting, not just you guys, everybody doubting. All these Brockman, all these guys in Europe doubting. These guys all think I'm schlub. I told everybody in Europe after that race, I was like, just you wait till North American Championships. I'm going to have something for you. So you're listening to those years. Are they talking about you on the Euro podcast too? I don't even listen to any of those. I don't know anything about them. But are they picking against you too? I mean, I'm sure they're picking their own guys. Everybody's been picking against me. And that's <laughs> fine. And that's fine. Because – you know, it's like that David Goggins thing where he's like, I'll absorb that hate and turn it into a mixtape and whatever, <laughs> like whatever it is. Like, uh, I mean, I like I like the fuel. Like, it's good. Add it to the fire. So let's go back. The race was I thought the sled push was the demise of every European racer, even though their sled push fun. times God, were were fine. Right. Their sled push times, a bunch of them like Sandy's was super fast. A bunch of people were under, or you were 318 and you were 11th. And so a bunch of people were able to push the thing. But then they we were. We never said they rocked. can't push the sleds. We never said they can't push them. We just said they're they're not the same. They're not the same. They're, yeah, well, and it's not, and it's tough because then they have this different sled that they're pushing on and they're training for. And they come here and it's like a little heavier. <laughs> it's going to take a lot more out of you. You know, a little I'm heavier. It, a little heavier. Yeah. Based on the time splits, one might argue that it is 30 to 50% heavier. In terms of, uh, yeah, the result of it. And then what that does to you, when I was looking at it, I mean, the sled pull was obvious, uh, obviously a place that you and Dylan made a move, but then their burpee broad jumps got hammered as well. They did not do well in the burpee broad jumps. Have you ever seen Because I think they were just too much. They were too much. Have, Have you ever seen this many people do this badly at burpee broad jumps? Um, they were, there were some real struggling on those. I I I think this is, this is a twofold thing, right? Like, I think, um, look, these guys all did race three weeks ago, but that you should be plenty recovered. 
Roncevic raced again. Yeah, he did doubles. doubles, probably probably doubles two weeks ago. It was still two weeks ago. Come on. Um, and then I think the bigger thing is like there were like five guys in this field that should not have been in this race. Like they were just over their heads. Yeah. And so that's that's I think part of it. I'm not trying to be rude. I just the this is more to the qualifying system being like a major problem. Like, like a guy like you and a guy like Shadeg can't run in this race. Um right. and it goes and it goes to, you know, like the differences in the courses, like even that Chicago course that Dylan ran 58 on, mm-hmm. like Colin Stiefer deserved to be in this race, but I don't think he's better than you and Kent. Well, we beat him. So, you know, I like Colin a lot. I think he's going to be really good. And we beat him in LA. Right. And that's my point is like, we need a better qualifying system. Like maybe they just need to have like a couple races where like the top five guys at these particular races get into the U S championships. Like maybe they need to do it that way. That's kind of what I'm leaning toward. It's like, if you're, if you're going to open this up to other athletes, like say San, like we'll make it like New York and LA are the regional qualifiers to the championship. So you have to run one of those two. And if Sandy wants to come over and do that or both, right. No, 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 no. I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, yeah, New York and LA was a great like example. And then Chicago is the U S championship, but I would have five guys from each of those races. And then the next five fastest times. And and it would just be no, and then it's like, boom, now we're good. Because, like, let's say you, me, Dylan, Kent, Shadeg, so-and-so show up. It's like somebody might be the odd man out, and they all run great. So, And then I think they should roll down at whatever the second one is. Say everybody goes to both, and then the five Obviously qualifiers. Obviously roll down. Who Obviously doesn't do a roll down? Like, right, so as a person stupid. who's qualified, I'm qualified for world championships. I still think it's ridiculous that there's not a roll down in this. Like, So who, who how would that, that have been then? That would have probably been Jeffrey. Yes. Well, and so here's the argument for against the roll down. Okay. And I think that's a fair argument. If the races were in reverse and the U S championship was first, then Tobias would have gotten the roll down spot. Mm, I see. So that is a fair argument. However, you can resolve a lot of this by only having us race in our own continental championship. Right. Or if they want to leave it open, then they have to come over here and run New York or run LA. And then also they can be two trips. Yeah. You have to qualify within the region you want to compete in. Like, yes. So like if I wanted to run Maastricht, I was going to have to fly to London or something and run a race Madrid. Yeah. And run a race prior to it where I have a qualifying time within that region. Like these are, these are simple. Yeah. And so it's like, are you really going to fly there multiple times? Well, maybe. But, Maybe, but probably, but not not eleven of them. <laughs> eleven people aren't going to do that. No, exactly. But well, the the problem is also this. This is this is one of the unintended consequences of them setting it up in the format they did. Like Mintra told me, like, well, we didn't expect like eleven European men to want to fly over. And I was like, well, here's the thing. And it would have been the same. Like a bunch of us would have flown to European championships. It is cheaper to buy a flight to Europe than to buy a flight to Dallas. And that's part of the problem is like oh, domestic airlines for, for American athletes. One, like our races are really far apart. I'm like, they're like, you can fly to Dallas or LA and we're like, or New York. I'm like, those races are like 3000 miles away from each other. Meanwhile, 
you can be based in Germany and run like six German races and then go over to Austria and race, then fly to uh, – you could be you could fly to France or Spain or the UK and just start banging out races every weekend. And mm-hmm. the other thing that's crazy – so like when I was talking to Roncevic before European Championships, we were going uh, we to fly into the same airport, share a car from Amsterdam, drive down to Maastricht, hang out because he's my boy. And, uh, and then the crazy thing that happened was he goes, he's looking at flight prices and he goes, Hey man, um, I think I'm going to fly into like Cologne because it's cheaper. And I was like, well, how much does it cost? And he's like, well, the flight from Vienna to Amsterdam is like 80 euros and the flight to Cologne is only 50 euros. And I was like, what? I will pay combined prices for that. Like, it's like to go I was to like, inter- I will buy domestic. I will buy your flight to come yeah. to wherever because we're paying like eight hundred dollars a trip to go to these races, right. and it's just this. So this is another major barrier to entry. It's like you have to pick your spot. You have to hope that race is fast because, like, what's your budget? I mean, now my budget's bigger because I won some money, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I basically look at it as like when you win a big race, your racing is covered for like the rest of the year. Like you can afford, like you can justify the expenditure, but right. But it's like like we have sponsors, but not so much that you're like, yeah, let me buy like an eight hundred dollar flight and five nights of hotels because I need to get over there and adjust the time zone and blah 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 and take time off work. Like it's not like justifiable as opposed to like when I go to the New York race, I can spend one night. Like I can drive there, take a train and then spend a night. And that's how these guys are doing the European races. Yeah, that's definitely unfortunate. Like, well, if they're going to keep the qualifying standards the same and make it be time-based, because like, yeah, like looking at flights to Sweden, for example, it's like, okay, these are 1200 bucks just for the flights. And then, like you said, five nights of hotels, no money to be won at this race. It's like, and then (laughs) no money to be won. Fingers crossed, you get a uh, a Glasgow a Glasgow course, and then like maybe, but chances, but there's you might not get that, <laughs> you know. All right, the Glasgow the Glasgow course. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to turn off of our main topic, but um, there were like seventeen world records or something set on that course. Something insane. That, I know. That I, <laughs> I heard I heard a number like seventeen uh, double, based on doubles like age, and doubles and age oh, groups and, and mixed oh, doubles oh, and like. Yeah. And, and so if this were to happen, like I was talking about this this morning, like if some, if there was a marathon somewhere and like some guy who's like a 205 PR dropped like a 158, (laughs) would they would immediately go and remeasure that course and then decertify that course. Right. And so I hate to like add decertification into like this already complex situation, but when you have a Frankfurt race where the guys all PR by like three to six minutes, even if they're good racers, like Florian is a good racer, you know, Pretty like good. Uh, yeah. he's uh, a good racer, you know, he top 10 both the big runs, both the big ones. Uh, and Patrick yeah, grew, and- that grew. Um, who is the other guy? The Australian guy. I'm spacing. Oh, uh, yes. Jonathan win, win, win. Sorry. Yeah. Good racer. Um, and so, but, uh, yeah, even uh, but like, but yeah, like they should have decertified know, those results. Yes, definitely agree. Because there's something wrong, like, you, and it's it, evident in the results, especially now. But they don't, they would never do that. Yeah, and so like the best solution if you're going to stay on time is, of course, 
that it's like the top 15 American times in general. Mm-hmm. Or the top, I mean, really, you should go to auto bids at two races and then go to time in the United States, auto bids at two races in Europe and then go to time. And then they should expand the field. The field should be 30 guys at world championships. Just make it multiple heats. You don't have to make it multiple heats. Just make it bigger. Yeah, that's true. Like London has 50 people per heat. They have the equipment. They have 50 people in a heat? 50. When the, when the London race I did last year had 43 per heat. That's why I did not qualify because you're running through an endless row of sleds and an endless row of ski ergs and an endless row of rowers. Everything's just so big. So the rock, zone, right. the rock zone and the run course were of normal length, but the space in the actual zone itself, the, the station, was so large and wasn't factored into the distance. Right. But in a championship race, that wouldn't matter as much because you're racing the race. So like having the 30 people in one course and maybe extending it out wouldn't be as big of an issue as like be trying to qualify on time. Exactly. Exactly. Precisely. These guys. I mean, the qualifications, I don't know what they're going to do. They need to change something. But if they actually think it is an issue, which I don't see how they could ignore the evidence. (laughs) well they ignored the evidence last year and i they changed it a little bit i missed qualifying by 16 seconds last year because Mm -hmm. of these sleds and because of these differential courses and i last year i said if i'm in that world championship race i'm in the top five without question now that argument becomes even more significant so the the point remains i asked them if they would give me a wild card spot because they have it in the rule book and they declined because they didn't have enough space on the course so disagree but okay yeah right and they tried to add the auto bids this year which i think was uh is progress but then they they screwed up the qualifications for the race where there's auto bids Yes, they did. And, and, basically, and they, and basically they, they admitted unintended consequence. That was like just very unexpected from them. But if they had pulled the athletes ahead of time, I think the athletes would have told them that. Oh, I will definitely go to both of those races. Because mm-hmm. it's the like, only ones that pay. Exactly. And they pay big. And mm-hmm. they pay deep. Mm-hmm. You know? How much like, did it? Was and, it top six or top five? Top six, I thought, right? I think six got paid out. Um, Yeah, yeah, I think six. um, So I was kind of pissed in Europe, and then um, that I about my performance, and then and this one, I I don't know. I was just very happy. I was like, this kind of made up for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So what do they do about the sleds then? Like, what's your thought? I guess what's your general thought? Because you pushed them both, right? And the way that they feel, I think Bracken. Brackett said it really well. He said, he said um, in Europe, because it's fast and light, you can work yourself into the ground. But in, but in the States, the sled works you into the ground. And I think that's mm-hmm. like a really apt like description of, of what it's like. Um, well, so part of me is like, okay, is it just the carpets or is it the carpets and the sleds? Hard to say. Our sleds are old. They have new sleds over there. I don't know why they replaced those ones and not the American ones that are messed they, up. 
Uh, I think that's the main thing is that they get newer sleds. Well, and so remember, their franchise is there, right? So like when Met, when when uh, Madrid starts a franchise, they got different sleds completely. That's why their sleds were so fast last year. They had totally different sleds. They didn't have to buy from the same vendor. Now they're required to buy from the same vendor. Um, but like so like Glasgow, that was the first Scotland race, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a new franchise, Scotland. Mm, so those are the UK new. umbrella. Got it. I don't I don't know. I just, I, I mean, but it's new but this, sleds, new carpets. Okay. When you go and you add like a new venue, it's theoretically going to be new sleds, new carpets. So they're going to move fast. Mm-hmm. Worn in carpets are always going to be slower and worn down sleds. If the paint is like stripped a little bit off the bottom, it's more textured, whatever. I don't know. CrossFit, we talked about this. They took paint thinner to the to the rails underneath the sleds and made them all at least the same. That's It'll slow them down. It'll yeah. be slower, but it'll be slower for everybody. Right. Which I think is fair because <laughs> that like now the how new the sleds are is that's what's going to determine it. Like what's going to determine a fast course. So when they expand into Italy or whatever, we should go. <laughs> and is this the first I mean, Sweden it seems race? Like it. What's that? Is that gonna, is that going to be the first Sweden race? I think so. I think yeah. so. It's the same kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of these races, like there's, there's, um, Every day I get like a new like thing that pops up like on my Instagram and it's like like today was like High Rocks ME and it was like Middle East and it's like they're they're finally like emerging right they're doing the Middle East one and they're going to have like Dubai and Qatar and um they'll probably pay out like I don't crazy know. just ind- independently come on over 100,000 well, the dope one would be I, I will 100% fly to a Tel Aviv race 100% that would be so cool um, birthright you, get, you put that on birthright put it, put it, that count? i have a i have another organization uh that's that's way cooler than birthright that i've been to israel mm-hmm. with um uh, it's called reality israel it's dope and it is referral only so butter me up baby um <laughs> get into that tel aviv race <laughs> it's really cool uh no but but i think the thing is like there will continue to be i mean they're gonna they're trying they're really really trying to to make these um to make these uh, sleds be like as similar as they can, but they're they're just like unforeseen issues that pop up. And then right. there was a lack of ownership on it last year. This year they're taking ownership of it, and I really appreciate that. Hmm. That's good. That's good to know. And that's one thing that I think that they will they will continue to make progress, even if it's like one season at a time. Right? They're not doing the Spartan thing where they're like. Let's change the rules, except for when they lighten the sleds at world championships. But usually they are just like, this is what we decided. We're sticking to it, even though they might see that there's evidence where they should probably change it in the middle of a season. And I guess that's just like a hard line that they're drawing, which I guess, which I can respect, you know? Yeah. I mean, but, but some of these rules were not announced at the beginning of the season. And then they just put them in place. Like the 30 person, the end of the roll down to 30 that people. Like, that's, that's silly. They yeah. added that. That was a last minute ad. That was like a, that was like a big middle finger to you is what that was. They oh, went right time. for you, Rich Ryan. And they, yeah. And they only had 13 women. Like why wouldn't they add two more us based women in that race? Just keep going. People will show up, but yeah, they, and then they allowed Sandy and, and Jet and, and voice into retroactively accept their spot. 
which was the other thing. There was a cutoff. Like, yo, if you've got to accept it by this date. Like, I thought that was also a violation of the rules that they presented. And I'm not mad that Voicen and Sandy came and ran. They both ran great. They both won money. They they probably saw it. Probably like, look at this list of athletes. There's nobody good on it. I'm going to come over here. And I'm going to win some money. Well, and they did. Well, they definitely they definitely thought they were going to beat me. So <laughs> they're probably adding. No, I don't, that's I don't think up. anybody's got that like uh, lined up anymore. Like I think everybody understands now it's going to take an effort. If you're going to beat me, this, gonna take, it's going to take an effort. This is going to be a very interesting world championships, right? There's no, there's no clear favorite. There's no favorite. Um, there's no at favorite. All. It's may- mayhem. I don't think there was a favorite after European championships either. Me neither. I mean, you got to talk. If there was like a power rankings, you'd probably put Alex at the top of that, especially with the time that he ran. Um, not gonna maybe, off but but I think that this is the thing, right? Like you have to look at the qualitative data, not the quantitative data. And the qualitative data was this: Tobias had lost like one race in the previous like year and a half, and he lost it. Um, and he lost it to Tim, to Venus barely. This race. He had twins born, uh, what, five months before, four months before. One of them was in the hospital for like the whole time. Oh, he is has that right? not been, Yeah, he has not been getting proper training in. And he still ran a really strong race. Now, wait, flash forward three and a half months from now, he's going to be a very different racer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and you throw, I think Tobias so, is going to be dangerous. He'd have good odds. You could get good odds on him if you wanted to. You could get good odds on him. I'll sprinkle it back. Right? He's people got to be sleeping on him. Like you would jump above him in the power rankings. I think, you know, even with a down race for Kent, you'd still imagine he's going to bounce back and, and be right there. If he can get uh, in, like if Kent can get in, get it in. changes the field significantly. Right. If you right. can get in, it changes the field. Like, yeah. like I think there are, there's 15 spots and there are close to 10 legitimate contenders, probably like eight legitimate contenders. Let's still spit them off. Let's see. It's uh, Roncevic, Vinish, Sandbach, yep. mm-hmm. Toby. Toby, myself, Dylan, Kent. Yep. That's eight. Hunter. Hunter. Yep. And you. If you Put me in, in there. If I can get in there. Okay. So we're but at you would make 10, right? You would make 10. Yep. And am I disrespecting anybody? Uh Boyson's been good two consecutive Boyson's races, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's a contender to win. Enough. Yeah, he's I don't think he's a contender run. to win, but he's a contender to get like fifth. He could like run his own race and run himself to like fifth at the World Championships. Yeah, because then we're looking at uh, Tiago. Um, if this other guy Graham Holiday, I believe, who has a fifty, who's a fifty-seven guy now. All right. Well, um, I'm not. I'm not going to acknowledge either of those times until I see them repeated. So I agree. I would, I would put them outside, but I'm outside of it for sure. Um, let's look at, I'm going to pull up the elite rankings really fast. See if there's anybody on here. And again, hey. Hey, listen, if you're listening and you're one of these people, I'm not disrespecting you. I'm disrespecting the course. So just show me again. That's all I'm saying. But people are, people are saying the same thing about me. Like, can Megiddo win world championships? So well, I only did it one time. Like, yeah, man, except I did it against everybody. Right. Like Ren, like go Ren through the Ren. list. Go through the list. You got the guy who finished second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth at world championships last year. That's who yeah. I just beat. Right? 
like if this was if that was the world championships with everybody returning with this with the same field like i mean this is the elite 15 right those are the best 15 racers in the world i mean not like tobias should have probably been in that if that was the case from this yeah that's the thing like i'm i'm kind of sad he wasn't there right because that's that's a i think he would have been the one guy who would have been like right there with dylan and i at the end probably probably and then all these other guys i mean yeah can't be in it we'll see what what this guy can do um seb yeah well i mean how many more is he gonna run I mean, he's in Europe. He could run probably ten more. But I saw he seems he like a post up. I saw him put a post up, and he was like, "That was like the day or two or two days after the race." And he was like, "Can't walk today." <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Man, this guy's a beast." I've been hearing about this guy for a long time. But yeah. in addition to um, needing to work on his on certain elements of his fitness, is there's a lack of experience that's going to be costly for him. He's not going to like the idea of his ascension this year, I think is overblown. Right. I mean, he has the raw metric. I mean, I think it's just his body size and how fast he can run. I don't really know what that means about his strength or his movement. And he does a lot of stuff. Like, so who's to say that he's actually like actually cares about this. Yeah. And again, like what's his mod? What's that mod? Like, here's a guy. We don't got to bring him up. What do you, what's your, uh, what's your thought? What's your thoughts on Hunter? <laughs> Uh, what about him? Is he well, thinking about him for training and stuff, or is it just like, hey, let's see where he's at? Um, I think it would be really fun to beat him at the world championships. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. That would be fun. Am I that would be am fun. I nervous about it? No, no, because I never anticipated that this championship would not include him. So, like, everyone's like, he's retired. What do you think? And I'm like, he's just taking a break. What are you talking about? So yeah, that's, he'll be that's, there. That's kind of how I figured too. Yeah, he'll be there if he can qualify. But I think when all is said and done, uh, you'll he'll have to run in the fifty eights, and we'll see if he can pull that off. Because it took some time off. Now, if anybody could ramp up to it, it's probably him. But we've seen him not be that fit. And just keep in mind, man. Like there could be like one random like Madrid race where like six more people run like fifty seven again, and and Hunter gets boxed out because he missed his auto qualifier. And that's like, the thing. it's like, totally but, possible. But who on here? I mean, I guess like this group of people could do it. Like that if they call because Holger, I mean, people Holger could do it. Holger, Holger could run it. like a fifty. He could do it. Like if he ran like a fifty seven, like on like a ridiculous course. But he's probably going to run Hamburg again, and Hunter's racing Hamburg. So right. Kent's gonna figure it. Kent's gonna get in these, if he can yeah. You figure these athletes aren't gonna get much faster, even if they get a fast right, course. So like they've already gotten fast course. So I don't I mean maybe Tom Hogan pops another like yeah. a sub 59, but if he gets a fast course, uh, he could. Bo is gonna be out. Voison's probably gonna be out. He's gonna get screwed. Uh Schiller's gonna be that pushed sucks. out. And then you're looking at um you know, like Dieter seems to find fast courses somehow. He might, and if he, like he can run, right? I think that's where, so, like, the, like you kind of you have to be able to run some to be able to run these times. But Tiago's not that fast. I don't know. It's it's you and it's hard to you say. and Kent are two of these spots, right? So you and Ideally. Kent are going to definitely push this list down a little bit, and then Seb Conrad theoretically Holger, you know, like. 
And there are going to be some other randos like that you just don't know about that are going to pop up 58 on a course that's like six minutes fast. I know. But maybe that's already happened. <laughs> like, that's what I'm looking at. I was like, it, it like, that's already happened for most of these athletes on here. That's why they're on that's here. That's how I got boxed out of, that's how I got boxed out of the, uh, the race in world championships last year was like, Oh, cause I was the monster, uh, the monster, like seven yeah. guys qualified there. Yeah. It bumped me out too. I just need like Peter Schiller and Tobias couldn't, couldn't come, but that one race put everybody in this. And yeah, that's the other thing with, um, it's a bummer that Jeffrey Voisin is probably going to get bumped out, even though he beat Florian Gast, he's beaten Jonathan Wynn, he's beaten Elte. Who he beat? You know, he like, beat Wynn both races. He beat Elte both races. Both races. Um, he didn't beat Hogan at Euros, but he didn't. He didn't he beat, beat Florian. He beat at Schiller. Euros. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, beat Thiago. Right. So, and so that's another thing. They raced their way in. Doesn't matter. So what does this mean? What does this mean for you now? What are you, are you changing anything? Well, yeah, what are you for do? sure a lot. So like before I was thinking, man, I'm going to have to run fast. Like I got to find a course to run fast. And I was like, I was going to run Houston and I was thinking about Anaheim and like, like course after course after course. But now it's like, okay, I could run if I feel like it, but I also can just, I don't have to, ta- I could, I don't have to taper for them. Like I can just train through and the stress is off, which means like, I don't have to be like trying to get a races like a month from now, two months from now, sick. I can just train. Yeah. It's really sick. Right. Uh, yeah, I I had a dream the night before the race in Chicago, and I in that dream it was like so real. I won the championship in the dream, and it was like it was like real. It felt so real, and I woke up and I was like, "Am I champion?" And then <laughs> we ran the race, and that felt like a dream. <laughs> like that didn't feel real. Yeah. Um, so how's your so with Houston? Um, so just sorry, just to go on to answer your question further. Um, Houston, I have like 15 athletes that I've coached registered for Houston. So I'm flying to it. Um, Kate and I are going to run doubles because nice. I can do a doubles race for the first time ever. So uh, I'm going to do a doubles sweet. race with my wife. And then um, I may run the pro as well afterward because you and Kent are running. And I mm, figure Ryland too. Is he? So I figure I so. maybe I would pace you guys and then maybe try and like sneak on the podium in like third. Like I don't think I have it in me to run doubles and then win singles right after, but be a lot. But I but I think I could finish a decent time after. Like I'd probably be like two minutes slower, you know? So mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. run doubles but still get on the podium would be dope because um I, you know, pick up a little cash from sponsors and stuff mm-hmm. bonuses totally. yeah but but my my number one goal is to run with my wife and my number two goal is to help you guys qualify for worlds yeah we'll see them fingers crossed that they screw up the course that's what we're hoping for you know well at least one of these i US wonder if like they're gonna something. do it on purpose like like hook us uh, up last year like last year they rigged that dallas course it was like the last american race of the year so they made it like the mm. fastest american course in history they were like look at this rock zone that has no wasted space like like it was not at all zone. it was a long and long straight it was only two laps um two laps long straightaways that is a dope course it is it was warm in there it was small small space very warm um i don't mind but yeah that, though like that's all fine 
That's so tough. yeah. That was a risk. my goals are now like just train really hard and help you guys qualify because I want my I want my teammates there with me. I mm-hmm. want my countrymen racing with me at World Championships. And it's nice, like I do have the comfort zone of having Dylan with me, and like we're we race very similarly when we run well. So, um, like I know if if he's nearby, like we're doing good because he doesn't have bad races, right. and uh, like it just doesn't happen. He would have to be like like ill to have a bad race, or just go way off the rails, way off script, like try to but he ski do that forty two. He doesn't, but if he would decided like, hey, I've got a qualifier. Let me just go see what we got. He's a rhythm guy. He's all rhythm. That's his whole thing. Like, he's not going to do that. Now, like, he could injure himself. That would be my concern is that he overtrains and hurts himself. But, mm-hmm. um, but hasn't done that yet. That, you, figure, <laughs> you figure that would be, that would have already happened to him as well, the overtraining. Well, I think what's so interesting about Dylan is that, and he's like, we, like, that's my boy. We talk all the time. And he told me that, like, back when he was like a cross country guy, he was injured all the time he was like very injury prone and that's why he developed the training methods that he did because he needed to do more things that weren't running so biking more skiing more um all these rowing more like all these things that are providing a lot of those um training stimuli and adaptation stimuli without having to run 100 miles a week and mm-hmm. so and it's what i had to do when my shin was fractured like like this is like I mean, like, not to get too sappy, but, like, I mean, this was the hardest training year of my entire life because you look at what happened. And if, like, in the last 12 months, I injured my ankle trail running in Jamaica at my buddy's bachelor party. I went out on the trail run with him and uh, rolled my ankle so bad. I tore a bunch of ligaments. I was – I couldn't run for, like, six weeks. Then – and I kept re-rolling it. It was just terrible. And then um, I'm back – I get really, really fit, and then I stress fracture my shin, and I race through it in London and Vegas, and I'd say worth it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, and then I'm laid up for I missed another twelve weeks or so from that, and then I get started going on my train. So I had to spend the whole that whole time grinding on the assault bike and the skier just every day for like sixty to ninety minutes, which is just the fucking worst. And my baby had been born in March, so we weren't sleeping. Mm-hmm. And you're just adjusting your schedule to it. And then right when my shin gets healthy, in October, I injured my pec running a Spartan race, trying to keep the streak oh alive. <laughs> and I couldn't do a push-up for two months. because Got that podium, so though. Weird. Got that podium. Got that third-place finish. It. Yeah, everyone was like, my my wife was like, you looked like you kind of shut it down at the last like mile of that race. And I was like, I did because I my pec was like on fire because I like partially tore it. Um, so that was so stupid. Um, so it's just like I wasn't able to do shoulder press, bench press, push-ups. I could do wall balls, but burpees were hard. Like, and so it's just like. I spent six months of this year being unable to do like major things that were critical to training or doing them under like severe discomfort. And so this was like a very fulfilling win because all year it was grinding and suffering on a level I had not suffered. So, I mean, it has to be 
like a pretty sweet feeling and to know that it can continue to come back, especially as we're getting, we're later in our career, you know, we're old. like just say many, it. we're old. How many years of this we got, you know, but knowing that you can come back even from that in our mid to late thirties and knowing that you can still get better and faster has got to be a good feeling. The, the, so it's two, it's like a double-edged sword. Cause on the one hand, I'm like, okay, I proved to myself that I could do it. Right. On the other hand, it took like 12 weeks to heal an injury that would have taken me like six weeks when I was younger in my shin, six to eight. And that is not good. You think about that, you're like, okay, um, what if I get something else? Mm-hmm. Just derails you. So I'm very nervous going into, into worlds that I'm going to get like injured on the way in because I've just been getting hurt constantly. Um, but stay on the roads. Keep it all high rocks. Well, yeah, I mean, that's it. And um, I've got a pretty good, like, regimen now of, like, certain days that are running. Uh, one day of long run. I've got a threshold run. I've got a more of an intensity good track workout type thing. I do some compromise work on the treadmill. Um, and then I have – I do, like, I have a couple grind workouts that I set up per week that are just a little more grueling, maybe less running. Um, and then mm-hmm. – um, really refocusing on my strength. I started refocusing on my strength a lot about saw that. five weeks, five weeks ago. Um, between my my squatting, my lunging, and my pressing, my press hmm. strength has I. There's no question that the, the squat and press work had a major impact on my wall balls in a short period of time. So hmm. um, there's a lot of work to be done. But like, yeah, man, we're old, but we're not we're not old farts yet. Like. The beauty of high rocks is like it's very similar to marathon. You never have to access your top end speed, and therefore right. you should be able to continue to do it until you get old, old. Just keep building capillary beds, maintain your strength, don't get injured. You know, should be able to do it for years. And I figure it, it takes a long time to build strength and a long time to build high end endurance. So, like the older you get, like the more time and volume you've had under your belt. I so the, I the only things are like. Your testosterone's probably a little lower. Definitely. Your, your your bones are definitely a little more brittle. Um and then a lot of it comes down to motivation, right? Like like I, this obviously I'm very invigorated right now because um I won this championship. But a month and a half ago, I had been back on the run grind after not getting to run and doing that whole air bike phase for like 12 or 14 weeks. It was really before I shut it down, I was injured for like a month. And so it was really like a 16 week injury. And I was really mostly biking and doing other stuff. And it mentally kind of grinded me down. Like I, I stayed aggressive through it. And then once I got like a month and a half back into running, it was like, oh, my motivation is really starting to flag, like really, really flag. And this win really like reignited the like, dude, you can be world champion in me. And that is really the fire is lit right now, which is great. But how many more years of that? Right. And then like how many more years of having to wake up super early, having to like have to miss out on certain things with friends and family with all like it's so it's a lot of sacrifice. Like it doesn't always feel like sacrifice because we love the sport and we love training. We want to do it. Right. You want to do it, right? But there's also like, what am I missing? What am I missing right. out on as a result? We travel three weekends a month for races and shit. It's like, you know, um, 
there's a lot to that um, where, you know, I thought to myself maybe two months ago, three months ago, I said like the grind was kind of getting to me. And I was like, you know, this might be this year might be the last hurrah of like doing it. Like, I don't know if I can keep up with these young kids that much longer. You know, you see like Shadeg and Scott and, you know, like they're coming. But class of 04, baby, still We're going strong. We're out, we out here. You, me, That's- Kent, Gadet. Is he 04 or is he 03? I thought he might be here ahead. Okay. We're going to count. I think he's He's, he will count. he's our age. Ahead. He's our age. So, right. Bracken's one below us. Young gun. Young gun on it. I think he's two below us. I thought he was one. But anyway, the, 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 motor, yeah, that, the, the grind of training, that's where I, I take a hit on like, in terms of like overall stress, just because it's so much time and so much energy that my, energy and and everything else piles up in regular life that to me is a point of like where the motivation i can feel it at times wane but i just i'm like i only have a couple more years of this i can deal with it you know where other yeah, aspects yeah. of life like business and stuff like could really be doing better but right now it's like yeah. this is what i'm choosing to do but this is also helping the business. So for sure. That's time, how it's like, how I justify it. <laughs> like, exactly. like now I'm the North American champion. Like this helps business, you know, like, uh, and I know that cause you, I know it helped your business when you were DECA world champ. Totally. So, that's, and that's I don't like, think that deck, like DECA accomplishments are going to get the same level of like grasp on people as high rocks, but it gets a lot it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Better than not. Better than not. not. That's yeah, for sure. Exactly. And like, I'm looking forward to seeing Deca grow a lot. Um, do you think that you are better at Deca than High Rocks? I think it's up my alley more, right? Like, I think it does fit my, uh, my skill set that developed since high school, <laughs> you know? Um, and the accomplishments have been better, but I'll have to find out about High Rocks. You know, I think watching the way that you ran this race gives me a lot of hope for what I could do in, in High Rocks as well. Just well, like I punished everybody on the runs. Yeah. That yeah. is why. Because that was that's the glaring the day, part. And you were talking with Mappy Davis, right? And you were talking about who's faster on a High Rocks course. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, some, some idiotic reason, you think it's you. Um, but- I didn't say, I didn't say, I didn't say it was me, but I didn't say it was you either. That that was my. You answer. said your peak is higher, my mod is higher, and therefore they're even. It could. Um, be even. I don't. I didn't. There was no definitive, but I said it could put me at a place. Could put me lower. Could put me even. Could put me higher. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see how this year turns out. It's a way to not answer the question. That's, That's what I did. That's what I. By did. the way, by the way, um, we have talked about racing almost this entire podcast. You idiots talked about everything except the race for like an hour and a half. Today or on that on that on that week well, OCR weekly show whatever. Oh, well, that's have you ever listened to OCR weekly show? Why would I listen to that? That's what, that's because <laughs> that's what it is. Like it's like let's talk about the Super Bowl. Oh, let's talk about movies. Let's talk, touch on the race for a second, and then like that's what that show is. Race brain. We talk about it. today. We talked, but it still took us a while to get to it today. But we talked about it for a while. So if you haven't listened so, to that one, tune in. Uh, yeah, I listened to 
chunks of that one. I fast forwarded through like the double stuff with you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> first hour is a lot of doubles talk. <laughs> um, but no, I got to say though, I really appreciated having you out on the course because I I got a lot of my energy from the people on the course that were like cheering, and mm-hmm. so when you come around each lap and you you enter the rock zone and you come into the arena. I had like my 15 athletes I brought with me sitting in a cluster on the bleachers and they're going nuts. And then I think because there's a huge group of people cheering for Megiddo, the rest of the crowd just kind of started doing it too. Like, so like I come, I come in and like the whole arena is like screaming for me and I'm like, Oh yeah. And I get all like gassed up. Right. My wife is there. She's got the baby and I'm like, I'm like, she's screaming. I can hear her voice over everybody. You like, could? Wow. wow. Yes. I hear her voice over everyone. And she told me afterwards she was exhausted from screaming. Um, but then I'd come out in the run. I start the run. And as I would go around past the inn, take the next corner, you call that the, the northeast corner of that place? I maybe? think that's northeast. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. If you're pointing toward the lake. And then I think so. Yeah. So there's you, right, in the northeast corner, alone, standing in a silent spot. We're making eye contact, and I can hear every word you say. And you're like, so-and-so's here. Go get them. And I already knew, like, most of this stuff. But it's nice. It's reinforcing, and it's good to hear. And I, your energy was – you were very excited about it. I was very excited. You are very excited. And I was like, I so I was feeding off it. And I come by you, and that's the long straightaway, right? So then I all of a sudden, on the first on a couple rounds in, I realized this guy Jordan, who I coach, is standing, you know, 40 yards down from you. Mm. He did not tell me he was gonna be at the race. He just bought a ticket, showed up. And I was like, whoa, and he's screaming. And he was a track and field athlete. He was a 48 uh, 48 second 400 guy in mm. college stud mm. uh, he's going nuts right I go by him kate's run out from the arena with the stroller and she's out there and so every lap i'm getting that i'm getting this straight away with all you guys each time and i was just like just building building my energy was just building 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 and i was like feeling so good and i was smiling and blowing kisses to kate and like high-fiving people down that row and like other people started getting in on the go Megita thing and i think it was because i was now the american chasing the brit right mm-hmm. on u.s okay. soils now they're into it and i don't i'm assuming dylan's getting the same treatment mm-hmm. but i don't know mm-hmm. definitely probably but not i mean he didn't have the people know him but he didn't have like the actual like you brought your community with you i brought yeah i mean i brought so many people so um, but there was like a vibe to it that was like if you've ever run like a major marathon or like a major road race where it's like lined with people and they're cheering and they've got signs and you're like high fiving as you're going by like down the line like that's how my New York marathon was it was like I must have given out a, a thousand high fives during that race and the result of it was like I was feeding off this energy the entire race like there was no time to ever have like a down moment because you're constantly getting juiced up with a. Uh, another 50 people screaming, go, go, go. Now the energy is an interesting part of, of this race. And in particular, the way that you race, it seems like when the energy is positive, things are going to go really well. Has there been points where, where in like Maastricht, the energy 
early probably wasn't in your favor. Like, do you, do you think about this during the race? You're like, I have this momentum. And when I feel this way, it means it's going to be good. Is there a noticeable difference between when your energy is positive versus when it's not? Um, I don't know. I think physically my body just was really uncomfortable. Like I was running with this like lordosis in my back and it was just arched and compressed and I couldn't pick up my knees or extend my stride. And so I just was miserable. Like I remember in that race, just, I was like, I was like, I couldn't even do the farmer's carries fast. And I got into, I kept having to put them down because I was so uncomfortable. I, I didn't have to put them down in Chicago. That was like, why would I put the, why would I put the farmer's carry down? Um, and like, I remember thinking, I was like, oh shit, I have to, I have to put that sandbag on my back for the lunges. Like, how am I going to hold this thing on my back? Hmm. And I had like, just a disaster of a set of lunges. And because I just, I don't think it was a mental thing. Like mentally, like I, I just dig in and go to war, like regardless, but physically, if there's something wrong physically, like that's just a very hard thing to overcome. But when I'm feeling good, this big shit eating grin comes across my face and like if I'm smiling, everyone's in big trouble. Have you felt good physically and not had a, a result that you wanted? Sure, but I think in those instances, I think it's more so like, yeah, I got beat. Like, yeah. you know, like credit to the person who beat me. When I finished Maastricht, I was like, I don't feel like anyone beat me. I beat myself. Like, yeah. like you did not – you you beat David Megiddo, but you didn't beat like like David Megiddo when he's on. Is how I mm-hmm. kind of felt about it. Like so, I left that race, and for like two days, I was like really down in the dumps, and I was like, "Have I been training wrong this whole time? Or have like have I not been training as hard as I thought? Have these people been outworking me?" And then I went and dropped a couple workouts towards the end of that week, and I was like, "Nope, I'm a fucking monster right now." And then I got sick. Then I got the flu. And then I didn't get a train that whole week, the middle week, which is the week that was going to be my big training week that I was going to like really sharpen up. And then the last week. So then like, so Monday to Friday of that second week, I was like kind of out of commission. And that Friday I, I got like a good workout in, but I was like clearly still dehydrated and struggling. And then that Sunday I did Dylan Scott's workout, the uh, thousand meter row, uh, 30, 30 reverse lunges or 20, I can't remember if it was 20 or 30 reverse lunges or 20 or 30 lunges, a uh, thousand meter run, 20 clean and press. It might've been 20 and 20. I don't remember the, the sequence, but you do it eight times through for time. And the first time I went through it, I was already off the pace that I was going for. And I was like, how the fuck does he do it this fast? And then my body adjusted and all of a sudden I was flying and I obliterated that workout and I felt better on each round. And I was like, okay, my fitness is actually really good. And he asked me how I did. And I told him my time and he was like, wow, yeah, you're going to be really good at Noram champs. Like, um, so he's like, he uses that as his benchmark testing workout. And, and I was like a minute faster than he was on it. Um, I'll have to try that. That seems like a workout that eight rounds. It's a lot of rowing. <laughs> it's a lot of rowing and you yeah. slowly but surely build some lactic in the leg. But the thing that I was found interesting about that workout was I did all of the running at 539 mile pace and it felt like I was resting on every run. That was like, like that was my recovery. Like yeah. I was like, I was, I would go into that with like heavy legs and like, like, like a high heart rate. And I would come out of that and my heart rate was lower. 
after every run at 539 mile pace. And I was like, okay, I'm fit. Don't have to worry. So you had a little, you had a dose of like forced recovery. And this is something that <clears throat> I don't think about it a lot because I don't really want to uh, lean into this side of getting older, but like doing it, resting more, <laughs> resting more. Right. Yeah. So like, but that, like what's rest, right. Is rest like four days laid up on the couch or is rest because that's basically what I had. And that's physical rest. Like, and I, muscularly. and I describe it as like the first day. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go, well, first we'll talk about this and then we'll go into the flu itself. Um, yeah. I mean, is rest that or is rest one day off a day on the bike, right. You know, a day where you just row and ski, you know, like, you know, maybe you don't do your heavy, heavy lifts that week. Maybe you reduce your volume by 50%. That's a taper. What's a rest? I don't know. Like, do you do uh, three weeks on, one week down? That sort of thing? Because I usually just keep fucking grinding. Like Until, until for, like, a race comes. Yeah. Like a, yeah, and then I taper off. I just usually just – I don't do this three on, one off shit. I just keep – I just keep working on shit. I'll do it sometimes. I do it more for – running running just because physically is such a beat down but in oh, this, it's such like, a beat down yeah i don't feel as, as physically murdered in this which is like but, but i do that too like i do i typically do like three weeks of more volume and then one week of less running volume but that week is not like restful it's like oh i did a crap ton more bike and a crap ton more rowing and i lifted a lot more that week so i didn't do any less work mm-hmm. right but like that's what i mean like would it a full day off <laughs> or a, a full day, day as opposed to getting on the bike? Yeah. Or to, a full day off and another day of just on bike like, and like really I, hammering the days that you need to, or is it spread out the frequency? Does that seem to help even more? Well, I think the thing is like, unlike, unlike Dylan, like I don't treat every day. Like I have to crush it. Like I have days where I'm like, well, my run was like a five mile easy run. And then I lifted for like 40 minutes, right. you know, like, and I'm like chilling, like you're lifting in front of the TV, like, like that's pretty chill. Like, but you're still getting an hour and a half of exercise or an hour 20 or whatever. Like it's not really a rest day, but it's not really a work day. And then you have other days where you're like, I just did a 90 minute grind workout and then like did, you know, 30 thirties on the assault bike. Like right. that's a, that's a hard day. And so, you know, and then other days where you're like, okay, these are my squat days. Like I never really look at a squat day. Like it's a rest day. Cause it really isn't. Yeah. It depends on what you're doing. Those high volume squats is a, that's murderous. That, that is, what have you been doing for squats? You've been doing, you've been doing heavier stuff though, right? No, no, you I'm have high, high volume. volume. I'm on high volume right now. I've been that, doing high volume for like four weeks. That lingers. <laughs> that lingers for sure. When I get some high, high volume squats in, like heavy you're just high tired, <laughs> just yeah, tired. Like it's like, like I'm not sore. I'm not like painfully sore, but I'm tired. Sluggish. So I've been doing like sets of twenty. Yeah, yeah, and that I it sucks. Like it, it's you have to kind of hype yourself up for those workouts. Like there's some workouts where I'm like, yay, and there's some workouts where I'm like, god damn it, like this is today, like already. Yeah. Heavy uh, squats in particular will do that for me too. Cause I don't know. It's just like, what, what does this mean? If I can't lift as heavy or it's like worse, it's just like kind of like the number. I just part gotta, of it. 
I just kind of made the decision that like, just like I don't need to access my high end speed and high rocks, I don't need to access my high end strength either. I need to access the ability to just move weight over time, mm-hmm. but not in the way that like Dylan's like, it was 115 pounds. Like it's like um, more so in like the, can I move like 250 over time? Like, mm. so like trying to build my, my, my 20 rep max. That's just is such a brutal way to do it, but it works. I think or doing like GBT, like 10 by 10. That's tough. That's rough. Oh, German volume training. Yeah. Yo, that is incredibly effective. Really hard. Very damn. That also puts like muscle mass on you. It can. You get, you get like yoked. It can. If you're if you're eating for it, right? If you are putting it back in, um, twenty rep, I think can get you yoked too. Well, the thing I like about the twenty rep is that some of the areas that I'm improving are like my core strength. So, mm-hmm. like your back's ability to handle load. Theoretically, doing twenty rep maxes is going to be really closely similar to the work that you put in on the sled push in terms of like when you do a really hard sled push effort, it's not just your quads that go, it's like your back tightens up too. And so getting the body used to that sensation of core stability and being able to handle that load, I think is going to be really good in transferring over to the sled. Mm, that makes sense. Cause yeah, Doing that is- the same thing with a barbell loaded lunge too. Okay, babe. I would imagine a front squat, even though it's like mechanic, like positionally, it's not great for everybody, but that the way that you have to brace your core is, is pretty similar. If like for pushing that sled on a back, on a back squat, like you, you're, you're definitely braced, but mostly on the concentric, right? Like you're bracing on the down, but you're not as physically like really driving into it where front yeah. squat, it feels like to me that that drive up is a lot like what the sled push would be. Yeah, and there's a lot of abs in that. Yeah. And then your quads are also taking more of a beating than your right. glutes in that position. Now, the other thing is, and people at home, you should try this, the closed stance squat. So your feet are together and your mm-hmm. knees are together. You cannot lift very much weight in this position, but this is amazing for the quads, particularly a closer down to the knee. Hmm. That's interesting. Would you do that with a barbell? Yeah, barbell. Mm. I'm going to give that, a, give that a go. I've been playing around a little bit like yeah, the, when you, the like heel elevated front, front like goblet squat or something that puts a lot of quad too. Yeah. 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 A- anything in there. I mean, you can also do like sissy squats and stuff too, but, but um, yeah, those are, those putting, worry me. Yeah. Yeah. They're a little tough on the knees. You don't put yeah. a lot of weight on that. Um, but, but heels elevated. I do. I really like, um, I just, just slip a plate under your heels and just go. But you got to have a real solid shoe too. You can't be like squatting in like endorphin speeds. Mm-hmm. What'd you wear for what shoes did you wear? I wore the endorphin pro. The Three. new ones? Yeah. That seems like it's going to be the shoe this year, huh? I liked it. Um, so normally I, I like to race in the RC Elite mm-hmm. V1. Um, I, but in Chicago last year when I had that sled issue, my feet were like treadmilling trying to push the sled in that shoe. And I mm-hmm. – the only time it's ever happened, and I went away from that shoe to Endorphin Pro for two races. Endorphin Pro two mm-hmm. is not that good a shoe. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then I went back to RC Elite for the last two races, and then decided uh, to give the Endorphin Pro a try because I finally got to like hold a pair in my hands, and I was like, oh, okay, I like this. 
I like the new tread pattern on it. The tread looks good. Yeah. The tread was good. Um, the shoes got some nice – it's snappy. Um, I really liked it. And I like to have like a, a big drop. It's a big drop. Um, so I'm it's into that. It's stacked high. It's definitely stacked it's high. It's stacked high. It's not tippy though. It no, it's not tippy. tippy. No, um, I just tried it on for the first time and it's – because that's like when you wore the Vaporflies. Very tippy. <laughs> not good for the pull. Let me tell you something. The Vaporfly, it wasn't the tippiness that was the problem for the Vaporfly. It was um, that the bottoms were so slick that I, I was pulling the sled, but instead of pulling the sled to me, I was pulling myself towards the sled. <laughs> and so and so the fact that I even finished that sled pull is a miracle. I tried to like turn and run with it because and E-Rock was like, no, what the fuck are you doing? That's wild. Because like, doing, doing all arms on a sled pull, no thanks. It was awful. It was awful. But the uh, the new endorphins there, yeah, they're still stacked. They're stacked at that maximum, that thirty nine mil- millimeters. That's it. They raised the stack from I think thirty two. Yeah, thirty two or thirty three. Yeah, up so to thirty nine. Um, and it's the same, still the same eight millimeter drop. Did but feel okay shoe, on the turns? I felt good on the turns. Whoa. The the only thing the turns were not terrible on this course either. Like they were somebody actually had a brain who put this these turns together. It's so a big venue. Nice. The venue's huge. Yeah. But like sometimes they have like a 90 degree turn. You're like, you could have put one gate and made it a 45 degree, 45 degree. Like you didn't have to make it a 90 mm-hmm. degree turn, you dipshits. Yeah. Uh that's like DECA. They do that. And you're like, why? Yeah, why did you make really those tight? Way? Yeah. Well, you didn't need to do it. You just don't need to. Um but um, I, I think, yeah, I like the Endorphin Pro. I don't know if it's the best shoe for this, but it works for me because I like a, uh, I like an aggressive roll. On the, like I like their speed roll, and they made it more aggressive with, uh, with the way the shoe is positioned by having the higher stack. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to get a pair of try them because I mean I'm, I'm I also have some RC Elite. I have a fresh pair of RC Elite ones, but they don't work on every floor. They work on they the don't carpet. work on every floor. That's true. Um, I think the RC Elite is also like a, a softer, like cush, more cushiony shoe. Um, and I like the bounce on that shoe a lot, but it doesn't snap quite as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not as that's not stacked as but they don't really do like a roll in there. They kind of rely on the foam to to give you the, what what you want. The foam, the foam in that shoe though is really really it's great. Good. I you, really like the cell foam. Mm-hmm. It's great, but uh, they I think they reformulated the Salcony foam it's it, really good it feels great i just tried it i walked it around it feels much better than the, the first two generations the first two like the, the the first two versions did not feel like a super shoe no it did like i felt zero improvement from the speed to the pro and uh, I, I think and they were like the first brand other than nike to have a super shoe so i was putting it on thinking it was going to be like an alpha fly and i was like this shoe is trash compared to a nike I don't even think the pros are that comfortable. I like no. the speeds. Uh, but the Pro 2, I have two pair of – because I always scoop up like a bunch of shoes at once, like on discount. Yeah. And I don't think they're – Nah. I, I, just think, I don't even know if I want to train in them. They're like tough on my calves. I feel the same way. I have them. I've used them for some running, for some long runs, just regular runs. And I, I never want to put them on. I'm always like, nah, I don't think I need these. Yeah, and I have like – everything i still have the original vaporfly the original i just got a new okay so i thought i was like 
fucking genius. Get this. I ordered a pair of vapor flies and I was like, dude, I'm so much smarter than everybody else. <laughs> Get this. I ordered the pair and I was like, I was like, what's the problem with this shoe? It's a perfect running shoe, but what's the problem? The traction on the bottom is shit for the sleds. So how am I going to solve this? I went online and I looked up like a like a rubber spray that you could spray onto the bottom of the shoe to give it more tackiness on the huh. bottom of the shoe. And what I located, I tested numerous products, including uh, the material that they spray on the floor of factories so that guys don't like slip. And uh-huh. I sprayed it onto the bottom of the shoe. And I was like, this is going to totally work. I'm going to have traction in these shoes on anything. But it turns out that the material that they make the bottom of that shoe with, none of these chemicals adhere to it. Uh-huh. So like so like I sprayed them and it just became like gritty, but it didn't actually make it. It still was super slippy on everything. So it didn't work. So I bought this pair of shoes for nothing. And I just tested and them. Then, and, then, and then ruined them. <laughs> Can you still run on the roads with them? Be no, fine. So I actually, actually, you know what? Time out. I tested it on an old pair of endorphin speeds. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So flat re- rewind. It didn't stick to that. So I didn't mm-hmm. want to do it on the vapor flies. So I can still sell the vapor flies on like StockX or something. But still, I'm never going to use those vapor flies. I have I, alpha flies. I, alpha flies are where it's at. I, I was thinking about getting a new pair of alpha flies, but I'm just like, I wear these like twice a year. They should be okay. And it's funny because like if you like were to add up the value of the shoes in my closet, it's thousands of dollars of shoes. Just like fucking so it's such irresponsible spending. But then at the same time, it's like, well, I win races. So like this is how I'm trying to justify getting these new pair of sockings. I just got a different pair of I got those Mizuno Wave Rebellions, and I'm like, these kind of suck. But I got those suck. I just want to be too disrespectful to you when you were holding them, but I was like, those look like shit. Those look like fucking fake shoes. They don't fit at all. Like the upper fit is so poor, but um, they're okay. I don't know what I'm going to use them anymore. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. So that's the thing. I just get them like to experiment. They were cheap. They're like 60 bucks or something like that because nobody likes them. But now I'm like, look, these endorphins came out. I'm like, man, I should probably grab a pair of these, but they're not cheap. But Dylan runs in like wind flows. I, Anything Dylan does, I'm like just not gonna do. I'm doing the opposite. It's like, all right, this guy, those, the, the, I don't, those work for just that guy. They don't work for anything else, just like the rest of his life and training. Um, do you, do you not like the wind flow? The w- I have no personal experience with the wind flow. I don't plan to have much of an experience. It actually with the wind flow. looks like a really good high rocks trainer. Like, if you're to do like high rocks, high rock style workouts, it looks like a really good trainer for that. Because it, it reminds me of like it has a, many of the properties of like a Brooks launch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't any trainer work for high rocks training though with like good rubber on the bottom? Like any of them? No, no, because a lot of them are stacked too high. Oh, I'm thinking Hyperion Tempo, by the way. Those it reminds great. me of a it reminds me of a Hyperion Tempo. Oh, okay. Uh, but th- not with a good foam, with a Cole's busted ass version of foam on there. I don't put that. I don't put that on my feet. I actually have never run in the Hyperion Tempo. Um, I need to get a pair. But I tell all my clients like that are like, I don't know what shoes to get. I'm like for training for High Rocks, and I'm like, get a pair of those. Yeah, they're safe. They're gonna work. Super. They're not crazy expensive. Um, the grip is good. The the foot feeling's fine. It's not. It's not gonna blow you away like the Saucony's will. 
but and they're, and they're fairly durable too. Like mm-hmm. they seem to last as opposed to like my RC elites. They typically get about 40 runs and sled workouts in them. And then the stitching starts to tear apart. So, oh, is that really? Oh yeah. I blew, I, I blew out uh, both shoes of one of my pair in 24 hours, like the left and the right foot ripped holes in like both of them in the stitch in the, in the upper. It was wild. What's your, what's your, my, to, say, what's your mileage at these days? Um, 40, 40. I, I cut back. I trimmed back. I, you know me, I was more of a 50, 60 plus guy, but um, this whole year I've been training really on the, because I haven't, I haven't wanted to get hurt again. So I've been training more around like 35 to like 42 and, um, but I'm doing way more like workouts where I'm ripping on the ski erg and shredding on the assault bike and, um, clanging and banging weights and mm-hmm. trying to get more rowing time in. I got that rower behind me, but it's, it, it sprung a leak. So I haven't been able to get good rowing. Oh, that's right. You got the water way. rowers. Yeah. Get yourself a concept yeah. too, just for home. We talked about it. We talked about it just to be nice. We have, um, we have a community gym here and they have a concept too in there. So I pop up oh, there nice. sometimes. Sweet. Yeah, so they don't have anything else good. Everything else in there is absolute horse shit. And but a concept too. <laughs> so they have a concept too. Yeah. It's like so bad. They have one barbell, except it's a one inch barbell. It's this completely useless piece of equipment. That, that That's one of those things. Like if <laughs> it's like uh, just people that don't even put any thought into what the gym should be like, it's like, the equivalent of what high rocks does for their qualification systems is what these people do for their gyms. They don't, they don't look at anything else besides like, is this a good decision? Let's not think about any other decisions. Let's just do it's a terrible decision. It's a terrible, terrible decision. It's the only one we're going to think of. So it's, it's the best and the worst decision at the same exact time. Um, but I'm with you. I had an easier time getting my miles up for DECA for this, for high rocks. It's like the workouts need to be really big you know, so workouts like, and that's the thing. So you're like constantly recovering from these monster workouts. It's like, you don't have the, you don't have the capacity to do like a lot of long runs or right. like I had to take like a bunch of my like extra 10 mile days like out. So like I used to do like 10 miles in the morning and then like a workout in the evening. And now it's like, all right, just drop that 10 miler. And like, if I'm going to do 10, it's going to be like a sandwich where I do like a two mile warm up and a six mile tempo and a two mile warm right. down. And now I don't need to run tomorrow. Right, right, right. That's I, I'm kind of thinking the same thing. It's just like how much is actually necessary to, it's to so you can still hit your strength workout so it counts and be able to hit your longer grindy high rock stuff. So I'm kind of falling in that same, but I've got up to 50 the last like two weeks. I think and it's it more feels than you okay. need. Yeah, it, it feels okay. It feels fine. Yeah. But like – I mean, you've, you've sustained much greater mileage than that before. Like I've run in the eighties and that doesn't really feel great. Um, but forties feels fine. feels fine. It's funny. Cause it still feels like it's taking up like so much time. Like I'm still running for like five hours a week or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And you're like, eh, this is probably more running than I need. Um, but at the same time, like I got to lean into my strengths a little bit. Like I was Paid the off. best runner. I was yeah. the best runner in the field. Dylan was the second. Dude, have you looked at the splits on the overall 8K times? No, because they're freaking. All right, let's pull those up. That's crazy. Up. Okay, so my 8K time, and I don't know if it's a full 8K, was 27.21. Without, so pres- rock, without rock zone. Yeah, I think it was probably 28 flat. 
is my guess. Because my goal was to run around 535 pace. But so yeah, so 20. 27, 21, we'll just use that because that's what the aggregate is. And like the rock zone, it's going to be, you're not going to make up minutes there. Maybe it's 20 seconds faster than the next guy, but which would be like a lot, but for the most part. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're just going with the run total, right? It's 27, 21. Dylan is 27, 51. Okay. And then click on Michael Sandbach. So he is 29.02. It's actually pretty good because he opened up hot. Right um, now. So that's a minute 41 I made on the running. Go to Rontovic. He was actually fast. 29 flat. 29 flat. So a minute 39. Go down to Voison. It's not going to be fast. No, actually. Oh, wow. That's not bad. Shocking. 29.07. Okay. But so, so a minute 46. Go to – this is, like, such a fun game for me. Go to Tim. Why what, what do you think happened here? 29.05. Do you think he just blew himself up on the sled? I think part of that was that. I think we the other part to. was you got you got full power Megita on the run. But he shouldn't be – his pull wasn't very good, huh? He was just gassed. He shouldn't he be was, behind Foison. I mean, he was running similarly to Sandbatch. Yeah, but yeah, I guess so. But he just sucks on slid. stations. But it's yeah. Go like, to go to Ryan Kent. Four thirty-one for the sled pull. Jeez, was that everybody? No. Yeah, that was like everybody. Really, Kent was 29-21. He like the runs were remarkably similar for most guys. And so when I approached this race, I looked at it from the standpoint of I assumed that most guys would be running around twenty-nine minutes and change for their mm. runs. But that if I could run 28 flat, which is about 535, 536 per mile, then uh, then I would blow the doors off people. And so I was like, it doesn't matter if people run really fast on the first two runs because I'm going to still, over the course of eight runs, I'm going to gain a minute and a half on them. Yeah. That was my game plan going in. Because other than the run – I would guess you weren't the fastest in anything. Let's see who uh, I did. Dylan was actually balls? the fastest at – I was second fastest at wall balls. Uh, Dylan was, was the fast – voice in. Huh. Click on voice in. Um, four, 343. I was 355. Nobody else cracked four. What? That's so wild. Why not? Because <laughs> everyone was trashed. Everyone's dead. Look at, go, go, to, go to Kent for wall balls. Oh, no. We don't, I was bad. We, we don't go need to, to Let's go Colin. Colin's, Colin's a good athlete on this stuff. 333. Oh, he cracked him. No, 333. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so but, that, but he was not in the race. I mean, he wasn't in the fight. No, he had a good one, though. I mean, he's very. He's going to have to be very station-based, right? Like, I bet a lot of his stations were at the top, and his runs, what was his run? His 3045. Yeah. Yeah. So he's running like run six, four minutes, run seven, four oh five. I mean, I ran like 326 on that run. Right. So he's losing 40 seconds to me on that run. That's insane. Not a runner. I don't care how good your stations are. Right. But that's the thing. Like this is you're... why, like, people are like, would Matt Frazier be good at high rocks? And I'm like, no. no. No, because he's going to lose 45 seconds to me on every run for the entire race. 
It would have to be a crossfitter to come in. It would have to be like Michaela is like the perfect example, right? She's a very, she's a a specialist as a CrossFit endurance, right? She's not like us and she's on a team where she probably has very strong other athletes around her to help carry that weight. She got sixth at the games in 2016. No, no, no. She was sixth on a team. Negative. She got sixth overall. No, I am positive. Brooke Wells did. I looked up the numbers. You looked up her profile and it's goofy. Like that's what we, I just did this actually. Let's see. 2016. Yeah. So I have the actual overall Brooke Wells. She was on a team. So everything is just jacked up on their website. Is that what it is? If you, if you go into their individual profile, CrossFit Nordic, this is her. Um, the, on the individual's profile, it doesn't make any sense. It like says she got six, but then it says team there. And like the one above it says team and the other one doesn't. It says women. The other one says women. It's just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. My mistake, but that's because they misled me. Um, (laughs) Because I was like, I don't think she's that good at CrossFit, guys. (laughs) No. no. Like, yeah. Like to be a games athlete and finishing sixth is, is. So the closest that anyone has been so far in terms of being a games athlete and being decent is Joshua Victro. Unfamiliar. German. Um, he finished in the top 10, maybe, at World Championships in 2021. Okay. In Leipzig. And he was he's been as high as 16th in the games. Oh wow. Okay. He's legit. He's a but he's a, uh, an endurance guy in the like that's his thing. He's a grinder. He's yeah. like an engine guy. And so he's like the best that they have in terms of like engine guys. And he's still, he was still like five minutes behind any podium position. Like it was way back. It'd be interesting to see because the individual athletes, like the team athletes, like uh, uh, Michaela could be, could like their running could be faster than what it really needs to be. But since they're on a team, it doesn't matter. Like their lifting doesn't matter as much. But then you look at the team at the games and you see someone like Haley Adams or something. Where it's like She's she, the one. She's the one. But like I could do it. She's fast compared to these other games athletes. But is she actually fast? Is she actually fast? Like I think I like would Michaela work her in a 5K? Like I kind of I kind of think so, but I don't know. Probably. And like it and like is Haley Adams better enough at wall balls and skiers to like actually make that matter? My probably guess the same. is no. Yeah, probably right around the same, you know. Yeah, I mean I always kind of wonder about a guy like Kretikoff. Right. We, we talked about him last time. He's too big. He is big. And he, he run? Is big. I mean, he basically any of the endurance things, he's pretty solid at. I mean, or, he would work us on the skier and rower for sure. Right. But what kind of gas he's going to have by the rower? He'd have to really manage his run. He's very good at sleds as well. I'm sure. We watched him win the alpaca event. That's all I'm saying. Right. Uh, that's your boy. So you, you, yeah, you, I mean, you, listen, you and Roman, you guys are you guys are thick as thieves. That's your boy. Well, you know, we're we're unbroken athletes. You know, rep like, that so same, rep that same BCAA. We rep that protein. unbroken. Um, you guys, real time recovery. You should check that out. Look at it. You like that plug? That's good. Send it. You know what it. the people? You know what the people haven't seen yet, but they might see soon is that new ten thousand video they're putting out. Ooh, that looks good. That's a good one for you, man. That's going on. You got to save that for the grandkids. Oh, my God. Right. It's amazing. Um, So 
Uh, yeah. So, so I don't know what people know. Like, how much have you talked about the ten thousand situation? Uh, nothing uh, at all. I don't think. <laughs> so ten thousand. Ten thousand approached a few of us a few months ago, and they were interested in assembling a team of athletes. Now they only have men's apparel right now, right. so they're just four men. Um, and the objective was to create a team similar to like the Tin Men. So they'd be like four guys and they would try to own the podium in High Rocks. And so Tinman doesn't do that. We're better than Tinman. Just putting it out there. Yeah. Good point. Good point. But they, what they do with Tinman is they like just Bowerman. They yeah, put they out a bunch content. of dope content. Yeah. yeah. But with us, we're actually like legit athletes. Now they're, they're legit athletes. I'm just kidding. No, no. Uh, but, <laughs> but, um, it's going to be, it's, it's myself and Rich and Dylan and Ryan Kent. So they sent a video and photo guy to the photographer, to the event, and picked up a ton of dope content. And then, of course, Brad Sieber, who's our rep at 10,000, he's the one who handpicked us, was basically shitting his pants because Dylan and I went one, too. And he was just like, could you hear you know, him? He was, in, he was having, he was just so happy. He was just so, so happy. Um, probably because the first result that came back was you and Maastricht. And he's like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> so, oh, man, no. he's he, uh, he told me he went back to the office yesterday to, like, a hero's welcome. Nice. <laughs> yeah, for that one-two one, spot has to feel good. I didn't catch the wall ball section part because I was – I figured Dylan wasn't going to catch it. Like he needed to either like he needed to really get he needed to be in front of you by like probably some 30 distance. Seconds. Probably. probably 30 seconds because right. I could have gone harder than I did if I had to. Mm-hmm. And Dylan's worked a lot on his wall balls. It's gotten much better. Like I think he had a hard time breaking like last year at this race, he was over five. But still, he's just like tall. His cadence is slow. Like fast. He goes switch, too deep. It's not he squats thing. too deep. If if like you're wasting so much time going that deep and the dude's all i mean his hips are basically like at his nipples so it's like huge range of motion all the way down <laughs> all the way up so it, it, it he's just like he's gotten much better but his cadence is just like slow so i, so I well, didn't catch the very finish of it because the women's race was still going on so i was still in my corner hanging out it's something i've worked on a lot too um to get my wall balls down with the exception of i was i was done in maastricht and i was and I was toast in New York. I wasn't fit enough to get to run the race I did in New York and then still do my, still do wall balls. Like I so was like a station I short. Yeah. I was well, I'd only been running for like a month. So yeah, I was a station short. I the last run was like 425. But it was <laughs> on, on, a, on a course where the runs were like all four minutes. Right, right. So, four lap course. And yeah, yeah. The um the the one thing that because doing doubles with Bracken, I was able to I did with a 14 pound ball. For the wall balls. Oh my god! And you're the hundred rep. And it, I mean, like it's it's so light, dude. It's like if I wasn't able to do that, it's basically an air squat. But the speed of it still really is where I was trying to like focus a lot of my energy, and I was still pretty ripped up from it. I was like, okay, there's still there's areas to improve on with cadence and speed of this thing. That I think during workouts or during the race, it's just not easy to access. So I'm thinking yes. about that a lot. It's like, is there is there a speed component of this that I should try to to focus on? I think I'm going to see how that plays out. So I guess my question is, just in the same way as like the 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 heavy high rep back squat is a useful tool. 
Is the 14-pound wall ball in training a useful tool for working on high rep and cadence? It might be. It might be. Because what I've decided is I don't feel the 30-pound ball has that much value for me. Too heavy. 25 maybe, though. Maybe. I just use the 20, and that's it. And sometimes I'll put a vest on and use the 20. Mm. Because throwing the ball, I only got so much shoulder, you know. Mm. But if the vest, hey – that's fine. That just adds a little to the legs. Maybe a thruster for speed could be. I was doing that. I used to do, I used to close every day with or uh, every workout with a hundred thrusters Huh? with dumbbells. With like what? But like light ones, like 220, two by oh, 20. Oh, real light, real light. Real yeah. light, but do like a hundred for time. Yeah. It's that's, still that's... twice as much weight as you got to move in the race. Because the dudes, in terms of the wall, like we saw Colin, he gets 330-something. He's a really high-level crossfitter. He's a way better crossfitter than I thought. He was like 70th in the world in the Open last year. He's like legit good at this stuff. Like, what? He's, yeah, he's nasty. He's just like he isn't super strong. So like semis, like when a big lift or whatever, it's like kind of kind of squashed him. But he can he can move. So it, I think – Go on, go on. I was gonna say, I think like I think there's a plate like the women have basically maxed out their wall balls, right? They all go unbroken and they're like 305 to 315. Like it's not gonna get much better. But dudes, I don't think we're there yet. Do you think that the women's wall ball is too easy being nine feet and 14 pounds? Being double scaled. Um I don't know. It's it seems disproportionate. I think the athletes in the women's field, at least at the top, are probably a little bit better than the guys' side right now. At but, wall balls. Uh, I don't know about better. I don't know about better general, as athletes, but better at wall balls. Those top three are better than the men's top three right now. I think. I think there's more parity in the men's top three because there's more athletes that can beat each other. I don't think that necessarily means that the women are better athletes, but they mm-hmm. are really good. Those three, actually, I'm going to say those four are with really Alondra. Good. Yeah, like Alondra and, isn't quite in that top tier, but she's really fucking good, and she's clearly yeah. head and shoulders above everybody else in the field. So I I feel like it's a big disservice to her to not include her in the conversation. Right, and it's just like the way that these races have unfolded has just been such a bummer. It's like fourth place, like like, and she's doing everything she can. But Miriam's really good too, right? So that's another Miriam. So that's another one. They're they're pretty pretty good up front. And like the women that they're, were, they're like, good. They're good. Yeah. But I th- I would say like there's more parity in the men. Like look look at the men's race, right? And like Sandbach was third in both events, but two different guys beat him. Like like Ronsvik right. was fourth. Tim was sixth. Like Tobias was fourth in the last race. Like I think the men, it's more so that like there isn't an elite male, but maybe part of that is because there's so many guys that can beat each other. Like Kent got seventh. Mm-hmm. Right. I think if Hunter raced yesterday or this weekend, he wouldn't have won because he's not fit right now. He's not where not where he needs to be. Yeah. No. I agree. I agree. It, like Hunter has the ability to get to the highest ceiling, but uh his floor is no different than any of us. Like where we saw him last year at the end is like a really high level of fitness. And I think these three I think these three women can all be what Hunter was on the men's side last year. Well, Okay, so what was the winning time? Like 102? 102 and what's change. The, what, yeah, I'm going to discount the world record, women's world record, because that was a clearly a crazy course. But um, maybe Michaela's a 102 flat, maybe 101, 130. 
Yeah. Okay. Hunter went like 55. <laughs> like, like I think, and I don't think the gap between the men's and women's field is which is like two minutes, six and a half. Yeah, well, I don't. So, so if you I compare it to the competition, right? Because that's what you have to go off of. Because so Hunter is fifty-five, and Tobias was in the fifty-sixes. No, 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 no. We don't get to count that. We don't get to count that time. Okay, that time doesn't count. Okay. No, 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 no. But do you think he was? But I also think Hunter did that on the quirky course too. So um, I think Hunter is really a 57 guy. 57 flat. That's what I think he really is. If there was just a course that would just be be correct. If there's just <laughs> never, like one course. course. Um, yeah. Oh, I wanted, the, the Colin Stiefert thing. I wanted, to, I wanted to touch on this. I've never spoken with him. I meant to meet him this weekend and I didn't get to. And I feel bad because maybe I crossed paths with him and didn't even realize it. And uh, Colin, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm also sorry for what I'm about to tell you. I am sorry, Colin. Uh, I went. I was looking at that page with the virus uh, athlete of the, the day or whatever it was. Yeah. And a lot of my athletes had gone in there and tagged me. And then what I saw was um, there was this massive campaign by like the people from his gym. And it was all like, Colin, Colin. Like it was like just down the list. Like he had double the amount of people that I had. And and I was like, huh, that's kind of funny because like he got eighth that was a great showing came in he came in seated 14th yeah respect that's exactly what happened to me in maastricht um i wouldn't exactly have wanted to be athlete of the day off that um but then i texted graham the high rocks uh the the high rock social media guy and I was like, yo, you know who else is getting a lot of tags in here is Jason Purcell. And I don't know if you know who Jason Purcell is, but I've mm-hmm. raced with him since 2010, 2011. Um, and he is a guy from South Florida, or he was at least when we lived down there. Um, good, decent racer, you know, not like a blow your doors off racer, but he was, he was all right. And um, really passionate about sport, really passionate about fitness, was running High Rocks last year, Chicago. Got a 104 degree fever and like barely finished the race, went to the hospital and they were, he was like, what's wrong with me? And they ran a bunch of tests and they were like, dude, you have stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. Craziness. And crazy. They were like, thank God you came in here when you did, you'd be dead in like three weeks. Um, He basically, as he told me, he basically died at the hospital. He basically died in the hospital bed. He went from like 190 pounds down to like 137 in that hospital bed. Two months ago, clean bill of health, cancer free. This was his first race back this weekend. So I told Graham all this. And Graham was like, athlete of the day. <laughs> yes. that Sorry, Colin. <laughs> but what are you going to say? You're like, no, don't give it to the guy with cancer. Give it to me. <laughs> I've heard that story. I've heard pieces of that story, but it's a, it's really inspirational. It's like, he he probably deserves it. You probably second. You know. Yeah, I told, I was like, give it to him. Don't give it to me. Give it yeah. to Jason. That's fucking yeah. awesome. So I was like, I was like, I don't need this. But I think like it really, I want to highlight that he did that that he 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 stayed enthusiastic and he continued to want to race which is awesome that's amazing um i hate to be abrupt on the end on here but i kind of gotta wrap this deal up but congrats congrats my guy i'm glad you were able to rub it in our faces Um, yeah just rub it in there in those faces yeah it was great Um, no we got we got to put an asterisk i wasn't in the race so good asterisk everyone's Uh, gonna say that double asterisk um 
you wouldn't have beat me anyways. But uh, <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I mean, look, I, I fought for you guys to get in. I, I'm sorry you didn't get a run. Um, mm. Yeah, that's fine. Let's we'll get you qualified. To, we'll have to get qualified in Houston, maybe. Oh, hoping for, <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping they toss us a bone. Give us a bogus course. Just one. But how are you going to overcome the sleds? The sleds? I'm just not going to kill myself on. I'm just going to do what you did. Go nice and easy. You run, run yourself a nice 59.11. It's going to be – I know, exactly. It's going to be – it's still a minute slower no matter what. And that's – Yeah, but like if I was on a regular course with those sleds, I would have been in the – I would have been – like I said, I would have been in at least 58 flat if not in the mid-57s. So, right. So that's what most – So you like could do it. You yeah. could do it. And if, and if realistically, I want to do well at Worlds, like I, I should be able to qualify on a U.S. based course, right? Like, there's no, you should be able to, but we'll see. I mean, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. But anyway, thanks for having me on. Appreciate right, it. Thanks for the help during the race. And uh, yeah, man, big big honor for me to uh, to get this title. So it's great. Big, big monkey off my back. Biggest win of your career? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But you know, the goals. Now world championships. Like I see no reason why I can't win that no, at this point. Definitely. Gotta be in that mix. All right, dude. I gotta roll. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, buddy. Later.